With Halloween just around the corner, my family has plenty of tricks and treats planned. But thanks to Pampers, one thing I have never been afraid of is a leaky diaper. Fear no leaks with new and improved Pampers Swaddlers, now featuring a blowout barrier at the back waist that helps prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. We've always looked forward to getting the girls dressed up for Halloween when they were babies. And with Pampers, we knew that in addition to being absolutely adorable in their costumes, they would be dry, clean, and comfortable. With Swaddlers, you can rest assured that you have superior leak protection while keeping baby skin healthy. Pampers Breathe Free Liner wicks away wetness, allowing baby skin to breathe, while the lockaway channels help keep baby skin dry and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologists approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Pamper Swaddlers are available in sizes newborn to size 8 and now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you. Hey, if you love Latina to Latina, and I know you do, and you want to support the show, it's as easy as listening on Radio Public, a free, super easy app that works on iPhone and Android. When you listen to Latina to Latina on Radio Public, we earn a little bit with every episode you hear. Thanks for listening and for loving the show. The rug was pulled out from underneath me. And I remember being surprised at how much it affected me. Because I had gone through heartbreaks, but this was the first time where I really felt like this future that I had planned, you know, all the dreams that I had and what my life might be like with that person were just all of a sudden gone. And I think a lot of times that's the really hard part of breakups. Digital entrepreneur El Huerta had her heart broken, so she built a company with the scattered pieces. She quit her advertising strategy job at Google to build Mend, an app that virtually holds your hand through the aftermath of a breakup. I'm Alicia Menendez, and this is Latina to Latina. El Huerta, where were you in my 20s? I know. I asked the same question when I was in my 20s and going through a breakup, like where I needed Mend and I needed it to exist. And I eventually realized like no one else was going to build it. I would have to build it myself. And I remember I was up really late at night searching for breakup advice and uh, was going through a really difficult breakup. And everything that came back was just like really outdated or really cheesy and none of it resonated with me. It was a lot of ways to get him back. Yeah, exactly. Like how to get revenge. Um, (laughs) Just terrible advice that you should never take. And so I basically built what I needed and wanted during that breakup. Well, the thing is, we don't really take breakups seriously. Yeah, a lot of people are very dismissive about breakups. You know, I think there's some stigma around heartbreak, too, that it's uh, not something to be talked about or it's not a really serious loss, you know, in terms of all the different types of loss. But It's just not true. Like, it's pain. It's emotional pain. It's incredibly painful to go through. And 
And I think when you actually look at the science of heartbreak, you start to understand how how difficult it is for people and how debilitating it can be. So I don't want to bring back painful memories, but a uh, breakup inspired this. Was the breakup that bad? The breakup was bad. And I think I think it actually had a lot less to do with the person and the relationship and just more about sort of where I was in my life. You know, I was in my mid-20s. I moved away from home when I was 18, so I was far from home, and I was living in San Francisco at the time, and I didn't have my sort of built-in support network, which is really common now for people. You know, we aren't really living typically close to where we grew up, and we don't really have this, like, community or village around us that can really help us when we're going through something difficult. So I was going through that experience, and I felt isolated, and it was kind of a strange moment because it was one of the first times in my 20s where... You know, I really felt like I had it together, like I'd been working really hard and was doing well career-wise. And then all of a sudden I was just sort of like the rug was pulled out from underneath me. And I remember being surprised at how much it affected me, really. Like I was shocked myself because I'd gone through heartbreaks, but this was the first time where I really felt like this future that I had planned, you know, all the dreams that I had and all the ideas I had about what my what my life might be like with that person were just all of a sudden gone. And I think a lot of times that's the really hard part of breakups. How did you know you had the skills and the smarts to pull this off? I think there are two parts to this answer because I think that I had a really strong gut feeling when I went through it that I wanted to start a business. I felt like it was a really good idea. I felt like I had learned so much in my time at Google. So I felt well equipped. I mean, now it's funny looking back. If I knew, um, if I knew then what I know now about starting a company and just everything, like how difficult it is, I don't know if I would have been as just like blissfully ignorant about starting a company. But I think that's the beauty of a lot of entrepreneurs, right? Like you're just you're so optimistic and willing to take the risk because you're just so passionate about solving the problem. So I think there was part of me that felt really confident. And then there was another part of me that was nervous about it, too, right? Because I wasn't a therapist. You know, I didn't major in psychology. I was a science major. I came from the tech world. But I think when you look at a lot of the companies now, that's how they start. They start with someone who experienced the problem themselves and became really passionate about solving that problem. And you become an expert. Like, I'm an expert now in a lot of things that I never expected to be an expert in. Such as? Heartbreak, relationships, love. <laughs> I mean, all the psychology of relationships, yeah. the science of heartbreak and relationships. Well, we don't value emotional smarts the way yeah. we value intellectual smarts. And I think if you're someone who possesses both, there's almost this desire to prove that you are smart in the academic hard skills right. sense. Yeah. Oh, it's so true. Yeah. Like we don't really value emotional intelligence as much, although I think it's changing. And I I do think that that is changing. And I think that people are starting to value that more. And I see that even like in the tech space. Um, I think people are starting to realize how important that is. And I mean, even like as a founder, I get feedback now from investors and from advisors that that's something that they're really starting to pay attention to in the in the entrepreneurs that they they want to partner with and work with. Do you think of yourself as a Latina in tech? I do. I'm mixed race, but I think... Meaning that your dad's Mexican? Yeah, yeah. So my dad is part Mexican, part Native American. And your mom? And my mom is white. She's like, I don't know, fifth generation Texan. 
I think that, and I don't know if this is true of a lot of other mixed race people, but I think that the Mexican culture is so dominant in terms of the other cultures that I was surrounded by. So like all of the major rituals, like for birthdays, we have mole and like for celebrations, we have, you know, piñatas. And it's like, that's the dominant culture that I grew up with. Everything else kind of just got, you know, drowned out. Um, So I do really identify with it. And do you think other people see you as Latina in tech? It depends on the context that we meet in. Yeah, it depends if they know my last name. You wouldn't necessarily know by looking at me. And that's sort of been the case, I think, like my whole life is that I'm kind of hard to box in because I'm not really white and I'm not really like full Mexican and I'm not full Native American. I'm kind of this like mix, which I think when I was younger was more difficult. I remember Meghan Markle telling the story about she was taking a standardized test and like really struggled with whether she should Mm -hmm. check like the white, like the Caucasian box or like African-American box. And I remember going through the exact same thing, um, taking standardized tests in Texas. I was like, which one do I check? And you couldn't check more than one. And I would always check Hispanic, like Mexican origin. But it was always like something that was, I think, more difficult to make sense of all the different identities. And now as I'm older, it's like, it's one of the things I value most about myself. And it's been something that's really helped me in business, too. I just, as as someone who's also half and who has a lot of passing privileges, I often feel that I get some of the bias that other Latinas in media must face, but not all of them. And, And the bias that I contend with is a little bit more subtle. Like what? A tendency to be called emotional. Mm. Um, not hot tempered, passionate. Yeah, I've yeah. gotten that before. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but in tech, where there is a woman problem, yeah. and then definitely a minority woman problem, oh, yeah. did you come yeah. up against any of that? Yeah, I mean, I'm such a rare breed. I mean, I wasn't. It wasn't like at the forefront of my mind when I first started Mend, but I started to really think about it when I was going through the fundraising process because. Every meeting that I was going to, no one looked like me. You know, no one sort of had shared experiences with what I had. And I think that that's something that's really common for anyone who's in a minority, for women who are fundraising. So I became really aware of it and also just aware of how I was being perceived. And so that was like the very first time that I fundraised. And then I made a really concerted effort the second time that I went out to fundraise to try to meet with as many female investors as I could, as many POC investors as I could. But it's a small list, you know? It's a really small list. And it's growing and it's changing. And there there are a lot of people who are really passionate about that subject. Um, But when you look at the numbers, it's not really changing fast enough. Like the percentage of VC funding that goes to women is still 2%. And that's just like an unbelievable number. So Natalie Molina Nino was a guest on this podcast, and she gives this piece of advice to entrepreneurs. She says, start scrappy, stay scrappy. With MEND, have you been able to do that? Yes. Yeah, we're very scrappy now. And I mean, I was so scrappy when I started MEND because I bootstrapped MEND. And I was doing everything myself. And part of it was just out of necessity. Like, I couldn't convince anyone to leave their job and work on this idea with me. It was, you know, it was difficult in the beginning to get people on board, but I was so passionate about it and I felt so strongly that it was needed. And so I 
read The Lean Startup. And I mean, I was prototyping and like I taught myself how to code. Like I was really like doing everything myself. And I mean, I built the first version of our site, which is actually like still up and running. We're going through a homepage redesign right now where everything's going to change. But I mean, that's like years ago when I built that site before the app. Um, You taught yourself how to code. I taught myself how to code. I started learning that at Google, but I mean, I, I like I can't even teach myself. I cursive. had help. Yeah, I had. <laughs> I had a lot of help and support, and you know, I started learning at Google, and then was lucky enough early on to find a female engineer who knew Rails, who we still work with to this day. She's our backend engineer, and I reached out to her cold and just asked if she would be willing to kind of help me and advise me as I was building our website, which which I built on Rails. And having that support system was huge for me. You started with a newsletter and then yeah. a website. Why not start immediately with the app? One reason was because I was learning Rails. I didn't know how to code an app. And it was expensive to hire someone who knew how to do that. And I didn't have the money to do that because I was working off of like savings that I had saved in my like five years that I had worked at Google. I hadn't raised any money initially. And the second reason was that I was reading all of these like lean startup methodology books and articles. And I knew that it was going to be really important to experiment a lot and to really understand you know, if I was solving the problem in the right way um, before I actually built the app. And I think that that ended up being a really beautiful way to start Mend because I was able to build the right product when we eventually built the app. Whereas I think if I had started building it uh, when I came up with the idea for the newsletter, I probably would have built the wrong thing. How so? Can you give me an example of something you realized from the newsletter or from the website that then manifest in the app? Everything in terms of content. Like I had an idea of what people wanted and needed after they were going through a breakup, but I didn't really know until I was producing a lot of content and actually analyzing like how people were engaging with it, like what content was helpful, what content wasn't helpful. So like all of the content in the app is based on user feedback, but also just in terms of features, like a lot of the features that you see in the app now came from menders, like the fact that you track days since last X contact that came directly from menders because they were all doing it in their phones, on their calendars. Like that was something they were just keeping track of. And so like I wouldn't have known to build in that feature had I not first launched with the newsletter and then the the website. And there are so many instances of that. What position in the company was your first hire? An engineer. Yeah. I had been running the site for a while and I was getting so many emails from people saying like, I love the site. It's been a lifesaver. I've read everything on it, but I really just need you to tell me like (laughs) exactly what to do. Just give me like three things to do a day. And I heard that like over and over and over again. And I realized that Content was really helpful, but people really wanted something more like a personal trainer for heartbreak. Such a big responsibility. Yeah. And I also knew that apps were perfect for it because apps, you can really personalize the experience with an app. And so when I had that realization, that was sort of when I started thinking about raising money for the first time and, and hiring. When my babies were going through their exploration stage, I had so much to worry about. Falling over, bumping heads, what did she just put in her mouth? The list was endless. But when they were in pamper swaddlers, I knew I never had to worry about a leaky diaper. Swaddlers are great for both baby and mommy. They keep your baby's skin healthy and dry with Pampers Breathe-Free Liner, which wicks away wetness, allowing your baby's skin to breathe. Swaddlers have always given me peace of mind knowing that diaper rash and leaky diapers were not in our future. 
There's also the blowout barrier at the back waist to help prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic and free of parabens and latex. Your baby deserves that. And they're available in a wide range of sizes from newborn to size eight. And now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. Having a diaper you can depend on is important. And it's why I have always loved Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today to start earning rewards with every diapers and wipes purchase. Not to mention, get great parenting content with Pampers Club. Hey, Red, what are you up to? Just making sure all the M&M's gifts are wrapped and the balls filled. Remember that one holiday party when we had no M&M's? Oh, boy, I still have nightmares. The cookies? Yeah, you used all the M&M's candies that were meant to decorate the party treats to decorate snowmen. You did it again, didn't you? <laughs> they do look cute, though. Bringing cheer. M&M's for all fun kind. Hi, Latina to Latina listeners. It's Brenda from Tamarindo Podcast. And if you love Latina to Latina, then we know that you're going to love Tamarindo Podcast. And if you're in the L.A. area and can't make it to the Latina to Latina live event, we'd like to invite you to our event on March 28th. At 6.30 p.m., we're hosting Amigas Blossoming, a night of celebrating and cultivating blossoming friendships. This will be in Highland Park, and all the details to RSVP for free are at tamarindopodcast.com forward slash events. I know you have a busy life, so let me make getting to our show even easier. You can catch us through your smart speakers. That's right. Google and Alexa know what's up. Just say, play Latina to Latina podcast to your Echo, Google Home, or whatever setup you have, and make your cooking, cleaning, or relaxing at home more interesting. So you're building a consumer brand, but not everyone experiences a breakup the same way. So how do you make sure that the app really addresses the needs? I mean, a person who goes through a breakup at 18 Probably has very different needs than a person who goes through a breakup at 35. Totally. Very different. That challenge is so exciting to me. And it's one of the reasons I'm so passionate about what we're building. Because I do think that technology allows us to personalize the experience in the way that we've never been able to before. There are some things that are universal, but there are so many nuances to heartbreak. And yeah, for instance, like if you're going through a breakup in your 30s, you probably lived together. Maybe you were married. Maybe you had kids and you have to co-parent. I mean, there are so many different dynamics. And so what we really try to do is get to know our users and understand like the nature of their relationship, the nature of the breakup, and kind of based on demographic data, personalize the types of audio trainings that they listen to on a daily basis. And we also really rely on their input too. So we launched a new feature this year where every week you pick topics that are important to you. And we have everything from sex and intimacy to self-care to, you know, infidelity, like we get specific with breakup reasons. Um, And we pair that with what we know about you to deliver uh, what we hope is a really relevant training program for you. And we're just getting better with it over time as we are able to expand content. How wild then that you could have two different breakups and then have two different experiences of the app like yeah. as, as a one individual. Totally. And we're starting to see that a lot. So, you know, we launched the app. We were in beta for a while and then we launched the app in April of last year. So we're now at like a year and a half. And one of our top requests and pieces of feedback is from repeat menders. And I think that just goes 
to show how common breakups are. You know, when you when you're going through a breakup, you feel like you're the only one because oftentimes you're the only one in your friend group, like in your immediate group that's going through a breakup. But breakups are happening all the time. And especially in our generation, the relationship cycles, I feel like are getting shorter and shorter. Like, really, I mean, well, Gen that's Z, the flip side of all of the apps as yeah, well. Yeah. Yeah. It's so much easier to meet someone. It's also so much easier to leave a relationship and like see what else is out there. So we are seeing that. And we do get a lot of requests for the repeat experience. Um, and that is something that we're working on. But yeah, the idea is that your experience could be different the next time you come on. Will you help me set up the app? Definitely. To mend is to transform. I can listen to an audio message from you. I'm just going to start mending. Hi there. My it's name you. Is Elle, I'm Al. Help you mend your broken heart. If you allow it, this breakup you're experiencing will be profoundly life changing. This heartbreak will teach you something about yourself and will give you clarity on what you want. Every day, you'll check in and listen to a short audio training where I teach you how to feel better faster. And I just want to tell my husband it's, it's all going to be okay. This is just for. Okay. So then you ask for our relationship status and the options you give are single, dating, yeah. and a. Wow. How did you realize that you needed to. To ask that question? Yeah. Because As opposed started... to just like your ass just got dumped. Right. Yeah. I mean, what's interesting is like you you can't really make any assumptions about people who are using men is what I've learned because, you know, I think people assume it's just women. It's not. People assume it's a certain age group. It's not. Like we have people of all ages. People assume it's only people who are going through a breakup. It's not. Like we have people who are experiencing a lot of different types of heartbreak. I mean, there's like career heartbreak, people who've lost their jobs, people who've lost a loved one and they're grieving. There's so many things that we realized we needed to filter. So the next question is, are you going through a breakup? If I say I'm not sure, is that going to change my algorithm here? It will a little bit, but you can still okay. select that. Yeah. I'm not, I mean, who knows? Yeah. And there are a lot of people who are not sure, like they're in that gray area. And then you ask, when was your breakup? Why was that important? That was important because that was a milestone that people were tracking. That was like, it's one of the top milestones. And I think that makes sense. Like, you know when it happened, right? And you, you're you sort of marking time as it passes. So when you actually get into the app, you'll see that that's a milestone that's being tracked. Then you ask for the main reason for the breakup. And I love this list. Commitment, incompatible lifestyle, infidelity, fell out of love, distance. And I don't know, which is probably an answer that people choose a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Right now, that's our top breakup reason which is interesting. It used to be commitment, but now it's kind of shifted. They're kind of like neck and neck. But that's a really good example of something that I wouldn't have known what reasons to put down if I had launched the app first without launching the website right. first. Like I found out all of that based on our audience. When was the last time you had any contact with your ex? Real life, text, Insta, Snap, etc. Yeah, we had to we had to outline that because there's so many ways to get in contact with your ex now. Unfortunately, it's yeah, it's like a, a minefield. It also speaks to a different type of disentangling, right? Like yeah. when I the last breakup I had, the most salient memory of that breakup was moving boxes out of his house. Ooh. And then, like, moving into my dad's apartment and sleeping on a blow-up mattress surrounded by just, like, uh, garbage bags. I, d <laughs> I initiated the breakup, so don't f okay. don't feel too bad for me. But It's still hard. But it is it's still, still really hard. hard. And yeah. I think there are these questions of, especially when you're accustomed, you text each other throughout the day all day. Yeah. I mean, what happens in that absence? 
It's really hard. There's a giant hole, and it's one of the reasons why our user interface is very conversational. It's also one of the reasons we send like daily reminders. Like if you opt into them, you'll start getting messages from us throughout the day. We get feedback on those all the time. I feel like a lot of apps have the problem of people don't want to opt into the notifications or they turn them off. Right. We have the opposite problem. We get vendors writing in asking for more. Um, so that's actually something wow. we're working on right now, like trying to write more. And I think that just speaks to the hole that you're talking about. Like you really are used to getting like messages throughout the day. And that's like it's yes. it's your brain like you're that's a little like dopamine hit every time that happens. And then when it's not there, you're going through withdrawal. It's like a very real like neurochemical thing. On a scale of one to five, how much is your breakup impacting your ability to live daily life? Mm-hmm. One, not impacting five, severely impacting That question makes me think of another question, which is, do you have guardrails so that you can tell if someone needs more help than this app can deliver? Yeah. So on the very first screen, which we're past now, but on the very first screen, we we do have something there. We do have guardrails and it's a get help screen and it connects you to resources for support that we can't offer because we're not a doctor. We're not a therapist. So we do connect people to other resources and hotlines and organizations that can help them. What data do you save and store from people, since that's such a big question right now? Yeah. I mean, all of the user profile data we we store, and we use that to personalize um, the, the daily training program that you go through. It's actually not something that we really promote in the app, but we're, we should. But all of that is encrypted, and, you know, we don't – we can't, like, access the journal. We're not looking through it. We're not, like, keyword mining to match trainings or anything. But that's probably the thing that comes up the most when it comes to privacy. What's the bigger mission for MEND? My personal mission is to make sure that no one has to go through the experience of heartbreak alone. Our bigger mission as a company, and this is sort of like our battle cry, it's whole hearts for everyone. I think that there are so many different ways that you can experience heartbreak. And for a lot of people, they don't have anyone that they can talk to. Even when I found it difficult, I still had, you know, a couple people that I could talk to all the time. And I had access to therapy. I was working at Google at the time and I had mental health benefits. And I sort of had a lot of support at my fingertips and I still found it to be really difficult. And I think a lot of people don't have someone that they can talk to. I remember reading a loneliness study that was done in the U.S. and like, One in four people feel that they don't have one person they can talk to about anything difficult. That's a huge portion of people. And I think it's just starting to. Wow. Yeah. It's when I read that I was floored. And, you know, I think that mental health has been such a big conversation recently with like the high profile suicides that have happened in the last year. And people are starting to talk about it more. I think the Me Too movement also brought that to the forefront. But our bigger mission is really to support people who are hurting and to help them through the experience. And, you know, we're never going to be able to take away the pain. Like that's just it's part of being human. Right. And it's in a lot of ways, those experiences are really transformational and end up being really positive. Um, But I do think that we can do a better job of supporting people who are going through pain. And that's really what we're trying to do. How would the world be different if we didn't carry shame or taboo around heartbreak? I really hope that the world is changing in that way because I do think that there's so much pain after heartbreak and divorce and loss and 
you know, all of the emotional pain that we go through, a lot of it is like pain caused by shame. Like you're just scared to talk about it and you feel like you're the only one or you feel like it's a sign of weakness that you're going through something like that and that you need help. You feel ashamed to reach out for support and to say that you're hurting. So I think that there would be less pain and I think that, you know, the world would be a more compassionate place. And it, it, I mean, that is a really big part of what we're doing. And, and we hope that we're kind of taking the stigma out of it and making it easier to talk about breakups and heartbreak and all the different ways we can experience loss. Awesome. Thanks so much. Yay. Thanks for joining us today. Latina to Latina was originally co-created with Bustle. Now the podcast is owned and executive produced by Juleka Lentigua-Williams and me. Maria Muriel was the sound designer on this episode. We want to hear from you. Tell us who you want to hear from and how you're making the show a part of your life. Email us at hola at latinatolatina.com. Remember to subscribe or follow us on Radio Public, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening. A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you.